are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Ah, Jeremiah. He gets pretty wound up, doesn't he? You might recall the opening section of the book that bears his name that we read just a few weeks ago. God comes to him with this call to a prophetic ministry. And Jeremiah protests, no, no, I'm too young. I'm not very good with words. I'm not at all fit for the task. To which God basically says, sorry, Jeremiah. I've had my eye on you for this for some time. From before you were even born, in fact. You can do it. You will do it. And from that point on, does Jeremiah the prophet ever find his voice? There are a few points along the way where where his voice becomes very compassionate, very hopeful, visionary for the people. But on the whole, Jeremiah is simply the crankiest of all Old Testament prophets. There is even an English word not much used in our day, based on his name. The word is Jeremiah. A Jeremiah, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, is a prolonged lamentation or complaint. Yup, that's our Jeremiah, all right. Just a wee sample from what Paul read to us. For my people are foolish, they do not know me. They're stupid children, they have no understanding. They're skilled in doing evil, but do not know how to do good. And on and on and on he goes. As the people of Israel are essentially sentenced to loss and destruction due to their utter neglect of the standards of the Torah. Yet there is this one significant phrase tucked in today's reading that speaks to something else. A phrase you might actually have missed as it was being read aloud. I will get back to that. Along with dear cranky Jeremiah, we also heard the voice of Jesus as carried to us in the Gospel according to Luke. For a moment, let me sound as cranky as Jeremiah. For I fear that the architects of the lectionary of the three-year cycle of readings have missed a rather crucial point in the way they present this gospel reading. In the 15th chapter of Luke, there are three parables of lostness right in a row. The lost sheep, the lost coin, which we heard tonight, and then the lost son, more commonly known as the parable of the prodigal, As Luke presents these parables, it's notable that only the parable of the lost sheep appears in any of the other Gospels. It's there in Mark. While the story of the lost coin and the lost son are unique to Luke. For Luke, these three are meant to stand together. They're meant to be heard and read and digested all together such that, as Robert Capon notes, quote, in Luke, 
Their proximity to the story of the prodigal son makes their common themes fairly leap off the page. Consider, for one thing, there is a party in every one of them. For another, the last, the lost, and the dead are held up as God's chosen vessels. And for good measure, the first, the unstrayed, and the alive, the best and the brightest, are displayed as being in no way God's cup of tea. But you miss the force of this by reading only the little parables we have with us this evening. Having read the the, the parable of the prodigal way back in the midst of the season of Lent, sure, the prodigal parable did its own good work on us back then. But maybe the architects of our cycle of readings, our lectionary, could have, could have had us read the full chapter of Luke 15 back in Lent, or held off and had us read them all tonight. But alas, that's not what they've done. So I just say, keep the story of the lost son, of the prodigal, just sort of tucked in view as you consider the other two stories. The setup here is that all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so in response to their hostility, Jesus tells them, this parable, or these parables, actually. First up, the lost sheep, which begins as follows. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Now, we've heard that question so many times we can probably easily envision one of those Good Shepherd paintings with a smiling and very clean Jesus bringing the lost sheep over his shoulders, bringing it home. Yet there's a funny detail that we easily miss. Which one of you does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that's lost? Well... Maybe someone who has experience with sheep wouldn't do that because chances are really, really good that if you left 99 sheep alone and untended in the wilderness, when you got back, you'd have a badly diminished flock if you could even find them at all. They are not the cleverest bunch, sheep. Simply put, Without a decent shepherd or two, and maybe a a pair of uh, quick-witted border collies, sheep are not likely to survive out on a hillside. So I, I think that maybe Jesus has actually got a bit of a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye as he tells the story in which the shepherd, who is in the parable a stand-in for Jesus, is prepared to go the full distance for the sake of the lost one, knowing that in truth, 
He'll do the same for each and every lost sheep, even all 99 of the others if they become lost, which I believe is his point. As he closes this parable by saying, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. As N.T. Wright observes, Try saying that sentence with a smile and a question mark in your voice. And you will, I think, hear what Jesus intended. For Jesus, when people follow him and his way, that is the true repentance. And he doesn't say so in so many words, but I think it's there by implication. The Pharisees and legal ex experts themselves need to repent in that way Righteous persons who don't need to repent, indeed, no such thing. The little parable of the lost coin repeats the gist of this first one, though I'd have to say without quite the same ironic force. In this one, we have the figure of the woman cleaning and sweeping her house from top to bottom in search of the lost coin which, when found, occasions a party with her friends. What might be no worth noting is the irony of spending your money to throw a party over having just found your money. But what is even more significant is that the seeker looking for the lost coin here is clearly identified as a woman. Jesus, in short, has first used a shepherd and now the figure of a woman to represent the meaning of his ministry, to which he will then add the father of the prodigal, all of which is not without significance. So it is grace from top to bottom for the lost ones in these parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost prodigal son, and even the elder son in that parable who sulks in the garden where he's met by a father who more than anything desires him to come in and join the party and celebrate the return of his lost brother. The ones who stand under criticism are the ones who bring only judgment and condemnation. The Pharisees and scribes who grumble because they can't stand to see Jesus talking to broken down and sinful people, all the while being totally unaware of their own sin, of judgmentalism and legalism and arrogance. Now, wouldn't it be grand to just have this text and not have to worry about grumpy old Jeremiah? But here's that one hopeful note that I referenced as I began. As Jeremiah rages against the selfishness and lost legalism of the people, he says, For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Yet. 
I will not make a full end because there is yet hope for this people. I will not make a full end because I have promised to be their Lord. I will not make a full end but will instead see them through beyond a life in exile in Babylon towards the rebuilding of their identity as my covenant people. I will not make a full end but instead will become one with them teaching and leading them from the very inside of their community and drawing them out into a fullness they can't even yet imagine. I will not make a full end because I will be one of them, one with them, one for them. That is a moment that is crystallized in this gospel tonight as Jesus lovingly, mischievously and truthfully tells them these parables of the lost and found. These are good and important stories for us to hear again and again and again. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.